good to be here with you again this morning. But when I go to visit another church, I'm always fearful that uh, I might um, preach something I've already preached there. I try to keep a record and uh, don't always do a very good job. But the older I get, the more I realize that human beings act like human beings. And things we read about in Scripture um, repeat themselves quite frequently. So, what I have to share this morning, toward the end, I have some illustrations that are very current day illustrations. And uh, thought about this um, in relation to the announcement that was read about Brother Steve. And yes, I've known him most of his life. He used to be at Bethany years ago, and now they're back at Strasburg. Just like to caution you in the coming days, um, be careful what you hear, and be careful what you say. And you'll understand it a little better when I give you the title here in a few moments. title I have is, Do I Know What I'm Talking About? And you know, I find out afresh that too many times people don't know what they're talking about. I'll just give you one that happened not too long ago. Some of you might know this man. I'm still not sure they know what they're talking about. Bill Showalter that lived in here just before you get to Harrisonburg is married to my first cousin. The obituary says that he was born in 1939. The family record says he was born in 1937. So who's, who's got the correct information? I'm still not sure. So, um, also today, we have people with the mentality that, well, I read it on the internet, so it's got to be true. If you're of that camp, I got news for you. It ain't, in most cases. Okay? I'm sorry for the improper English, but most of what, well, I better, I better, a lot of what you read on the internet isn't truth, okay? So, um, and sometimes when we do things based on what we see, we miss the mark too. Now, I've shared this one before in his home congregation, but... Um, Ivan Nolte came in and sat down beside me at a meeting one night... And I made a comment. I said, Ivan, are you uh, okay with sitting beside me? And he looked at me a little funny. And this was before I started working for him, okay? Uh, this has been a few years ago. And he said, well, why would you say that? I said, well, I saw what your wife was driving here last week, and I figured maybe you were in a different class than I was. Because I saw Ivan's wife driving through Bridgewater in an excursion. 
he started laughing and he said, well, he said, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, she was driving an excursion, but it's not ours. And I, this isn't, I'm not talking down on anybody that drives an excursion, okay? I think maybe there might be one or so here today that does. Uh, but here they were in Florida, and somebody wrecked or ran into their vehicle, and they needed a vehicle to drive, and that was what the rental company provided for them. You see, I didn't know what I was talking about. Now, obviously it didn't have too dire consequences because I work for Ivan today, and we get along fine. I guess, from my standpoint, we do. Um, when I moved in to Edinburgh, we actually live in town. Now, we can still look out the window and see cows, so we're right at the edge of town. But I like to learn to know my neighbors. And um, I was, I forget if I was mowing or just out walking in, in the yard one day, and I saw my neighbor over there, and I waved to him, and I got no response. And one time he was mowing right straight towards me, and so I waved at him again, and I got no response. And I thought, this man's going to be a tough one to learn to know. Wayne's in his upper 80s now. And I found out that I totally didn't know what I was talking about or thinking in relation to Wayne Short. He'll still call us up today. They've moved down a little ways away from us, but I didn't know what I was talking about. So we form opinions based on what we know. In Joshua 22, and you can turn to it. I don't plan to read here because it gets pretty lengthy. But if you know the, the, the account of the children of Israel, two and a half tribes stayed or, or took up residence or got an inheritance before they crossed the Jordan River. <coughs> Moses said, you can have this inheritance, but you, you can build places for your families. You can build places for your livestock, but you're... Warriors, your mighty men need to cross over Jordan to help your, your brothers conquer the land. And they did this. And at the end of time, I think it was seven years, Joshua released those two and a half tribes to go back to their possession. Well, they got back just before they got to the Jordan River and they built this big altar. Looked just like the one down at Gilgal where worship was to be done. That was the only place God had designated for worship, for sacrifices. The children of Israel heard about this altar and they said, they've already forsaken God. We're going to go up and kill them. We're going to go up and do battle against them. So they get their committee together. And there, sometimes committees are good, by the way. And this is one time it was. They sent their one man per tribe up. And they said, 
Why have you done this? You've forsaken God. God's going to come and destroy you, and then tomorrow he's going to come and destroy us because you all forsook him. It's pretty much what they said. They didn't know what they were talking about. After they finally let the two and a half tribes speak, they said, God forbid we've forsaken God. But we wanted a reminder. Um, I think um, it's called uh, a witness um, that we're part of you, so we built this altar. It looks just like the one at Gilgal, but it's not for sacrifice. Now, I wonder sometimes what those other uh, nine and a half tribes were thinking. You know, if these two and a half tribes are going to put up an altar to worship, I would have put it on my side of the river, okay? But this was on the opposite side of the river where my possession is. So they said, we didn't build this to forsake God. We built this so in years to come, when your people, your children say, you're not part of us because this river is a boundary, this is a reminder that we're yours as well. We're with you. And you could go to the um, experience in Acts 2. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, what did people say about these that were speaking and they were hearing them in, in other languages? It would be like I would be speaking here and, and um, Kevin would only know Spanish, but he could understand what I was saying because I don't know but about three words of Spanish. They said, well, these are intoxicated men. They didn't know what they were talking about. They said, no, this is what Joel prophesied, that God's going to pour out his spirit, and you're going to see these miraculous things happen. Too many times, um, well, you've heard it said that, that the dread of a lot of things is the or, or the worst part of a lot of anticipation, still I'm not saying it right, the, the worst part of things that are coming is the anticipation of it. You know, you, you, uh, you hear the preachers coming and, and you get all concerned, well, what's he coming about? And so you form opinions about what the preacher's coming for and, and you get all uh, concerned and, uh, and all this kind of thing. When you don't have any clue what the preacher's coming for anyhow, unless, unless you did something wrong, then you might have an idea. But I can tell you, I face things in life that the majority of the fear was in the unknown or not knowing what was coming, because I didn't know what was coming. Sometimes... People say things they don't mean to say. Sometimes people say things they don't realize they said. I can think back a few years. The first time I preached, 
Somebody said, well, you use such and such for an illustration. I said, well, I don't remember saying that. But I did. Because I went back and listened to the tape. Where the, I'm not sure, was that a CD or a cassette? I'm not sure. But it said that I said that. Because I didn't remember using that illustration or that example. And if I remember correctly, I said that that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, I'd heard it for a lot, a lot of times. But I didn't remember what I had said. It's much better. I have a lot of notes here, okay? I'm trying not to keep you too long. It's much better to find out whether you know what you're talking about than to pass it on. Now I'm going to go into some illustrations. These are current day illustrations. And at least most of them actually happened. It's not some uh, scenario that's, that's painted um, to, uh, to prove a point. One of them I'm not sure about. But most of these happened. Some of them happened to me. Some of them I am aware of and know the people. A number of years ago, we went, uh, I was in Washington, D.C., and um, another driver and I stopped and parked on 15th Street, right there just out from the Capitol. And there was a march going on, a protest. And they were coming right down 15th Street. And this other man, he wasn't afraid of much of anything. And he said, watch this. He stopped one of the protesters and said, what are you protesting? The person couldn't tell him what they were protesting. He didn't know why he was there, but he was still protesting. And later I heard that some of the protests about some pipelines, they actually hired or paid people to come and protest that weren't even from the area, weren't involved, probably didn't know why they were there, but I got a paycheck out of it. Next one is fairly serious. Some time ago, there was an ordination that took place in an area. And after the ordination, there, um, uh, or after the nomination service, it was announced that more than, than the people that were named received enough nominations to be considered. And you've seen it frequently here even, that a brother or brothers received enough nominations, but they chose not to be considered. One time a lay brother told an ordained man that the person that withdrew was the most qualified. Well, the ordained man said, well, how do you know who, was, who withdrew? And the answer sort of shocked this preacher. He said, well, there were enough people that he knew 
that were going to nominate a certain brother that they knew he was in the lot. But they didn't want to say who it was. And of course, the ordained man wasn't going to tell him who, was, who withdrew. But when that person finally gave the name, the ordained brother said, you don't know what you're talking about. Because that person's name wasn't even given for consideration. If it would have happened here, I would just say, or if it would have happened in Southeastern Conference, I would just say, you know, that's not a very good basis to be nominating somebody. Just because you know some other brothers that are going to nominate. This one I just came across this past week, maybe just the day before yesterday, I don't know. I'm not sure if this one happened or not. But it proves a very startling point, and it proves something that I'm guilty of, all right? A man is walking down a street and encounters a homeless man that he's seen before. The man hoped that he could pass by without the homeless man seeing him, but it didn't happen. And this homeless man asked him for some help. Anything would be, be good. I don't know if the man said anything, or at least his thought was, they're all the same. If you wouldn't be so lazy, if you'd go out and get a job and quit spending your money for drugs and alcohol, you wouldn't be homeless. You wouldn't be out here begging for money. So he walks on. He got down the street just a little bit, and here was a woman and a young girl, I don't know how old they were, sitting on a bench. And this woman was offering the girl a donut in a bag. And the girl got very upset. She said, I don't want it. The woman tried to give it to her again, and she said, I said, I don't want it. This man observed this, and he, his response was, great parenting lady. Maybe if you started focusing on your child, she wouldn't be such a brat. And then he walked on. And down the street a ways, he encountered a man sitting on another bench, dressed in military garb, with a little display of, of toys. He's selling these toys. And he was asking for support for the troops by selling these toys. And this man's thought process was there's no war going on. Why are you still sitting out here in your uniform? Nobody's going to buy your toys. And he walked on. He got down the street a little farther. He's walking along, looking at his cell phone. And you all have seen this. People walking and don't know where they are, looking at their cell phone. And he bumps into someone. And this upset the man. 
And the man turns around, and the other person he bumped into turns around. He said, if you'd watch where you're going, you wouldn't run into people. And the other man said, if I still had my sight, I could see where I was going. And he had his, his, um, oh, his probing cane. I asked my wife when I was writing this down, I said, you know, what they call the, the stick that a blind person carries? Because, you know, it, it's a cane, but it's a probing cane so that they can see where they're going. The man said, promise me one thing, that before you judge anyone, you'll find out what they're going through. Well, see, in reality, the blind man was watching where he was going. The other man was watching his phone and wasn't watching where he was going. So this gets this man to thinking. So he retraces these steps. First of all, he goes back to the man sitting there selling toys that's in uniform, and he apologizes for the way he had uh, spoken to him. But he said, let me see if I get it right. He bought a jump rope from him for $5. And then he said, I don't mean to pry but why are you selling these toys? He said, well, you see, I was one of the lucky ones in my company. But my friend wasn't. And I'm selling these toys to help support his family. And then he says, so why are you wearing the uniform? He said, I'm wearing it for my friend that didn't make it. So he wished him well and went on. He gets back to the woman with the child and apologizes again. And he said, I noticed that your daughter was very upset. I thought this might cheer her up. And he handed her the jump rope. She thanked the man. And told him that he didn't know, she, he didn't know how much that meant to them. She went on to tell him, I'm actually this girl's grandmother. And yesterday my daughter was killed in a car accident. And this is the first time we've been out since that happened. And then he really felt bad about what he had said. She insisted that he take the donut that she tried to get her granddaughter to take earlier when he had witnessed the first encounter. And he didn't want to take it, but finally he took it. So he went back to the homeless man. And he offered the homeless man this donut. He continued by telling this homeless man that you know, there are plenty of drug and alcohol facilities here in town for you to get some help. This man said, I have never done drugs or drank alcohol in my life. So 
So the man said, well, how'd you end up homeless? He said, I used to be a counselor in one of those facilities, and I lost my job. So he said, it's interesting that I was helping people get out of their addiction, and now I'm accused of the same thing. But it was simply because people don't know what they're talking about. I'm guilty. Because, see, when I see some of these homeless people, or how do I put this, these so-called homeless people, and I'll, uh, I'll admit, I have sort of put them in the same camp, okay? Some of them are genuine. I still remember years ago, there was a man that used to sit out at the exit at 243 in Harrisonburg. And I uh, heard the um, assistant branch manager at the bank that I was with at that time say something about giving that man some money. And one of the tellers said, you gave him money? Said, he makes more than you do. Now, I don't know if she knew what she was talking about or not, but apparently she knew that he was making pretty good money. And then also some things that temper my thought process is what was said about one church that would go and help these homeless people. They observed a van coming in from some other area totally, and they would drop these people off, and they would stand out and collect their money, and they would come back in and pick them up, and they'd go home. So there are people that, that put a blight on that, what they portray. But there are some that are genuine. Now, I'm not here promoting that you go out and hand things out to, to um, homeless people. But before we put them all in the same category, we need to find out what's going on in their life. If I see a homeless person and assume they're all like, I'm the same as this man was when he was walking down the street the first time. If I see a child acting like a brat, I think the parents sure did a poor job. We don't know what they're going through in a lot of cases. Even though probably some parents are, well, no, not probably. Some parents are doing a poor job today. Um, don't, I can say that here because I don't know. I don't know your all's parenting qualities or skills. I might get a different picture if I just ask. Some of you saw the church sign up here at Weaver's Church probably in the last little while. And I thought about that sign in relation to this illustration. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. I have a past, you have a past, and some things in our past isn't very pretty. Well, this next one happened in a church. Preacher was visiting in another congregation to preach. And after the service, they went to one of the 
the family's homes for lunch. And, uh, and that's not unusual. They were sitting around the table, and one of the, the people at the table thanked the preacher for an illustration that he had given. The preacher said, well, he didn't say that. And this person said, well, you most certainly did. And it went back and forth, and it finally got to the point where he said, well, you're getting some age to you, and you just forget. Well, then some others got on the bandwagon. There was five people at the table that told that preacher, you said that. And the preacher was sure he hadn't said it. preacher said, well, it's not in my notes. You can, you can look at my notes and it's not there. I don't know if that preacher's like I am. I say some things that aren't on my paper. And it sometimes can get me in trouble. But it went on. And so five people were sitting there just like you are, heard this preacher preach that morning, and five people said, the preacher used a certain illustration. Well, the problem was the preacher remembered hearing the illustration that morning, but that was the first time he'd ever heard the illustration. So how was he going to use it? So happened that there was another family at the table that day that wasn't at church that morning, and that person jumped on the bandwagon too and told the preacher, well, you've had COVID, so you probably forgot. Then any of y'all ever jumped on bandwagons? Well, nobody raised their hands. You all don't jump on bandwagons around here? And I'm not talking about musical instruments, okay? I'm talking about hearing something and you jump on and participate in something that that's the first you heard anything about it. But yet, five people said it. I'm going to get on there with them and participate. Better go down here and read my notes here again. After the meal... They were sitting around and there were some jokes about the preacher being so forgetful and he couldn't even remember what he said. So this disturbed the preacher and he decided this was in the day of recordings. Well, you know it's in the day of recordings because they said you know, you've had COVID so that's got to be in the last couple years. So the preacher decided to call the person that did the recording and get a recording of what he said, because if it, it was a good illustration. I think I wrote it down here so I could know what it was, too. The illustration was something like this. There was a man that was an older man that was living back somewhere, and uh, they were having a flood. The water was starting to come up, and they wanted him to 
to come out. And so they went fast with a four-wheel drive or a four-wheeler, I'm not sure which, offered him a ride. And he said, no, the Lord's going to take care of me. I don't need you. The water kept getting up. And the next person that came by was in a boat and offered him a ride. No, the Lord's going to take care of me. I'll be all right. Finally, the water got up, and he'd climbed up in another story. And they sent a helicopter in for him, and he said, No, the Lord's going to take care of me. I'll be okay. The man did make it out. But when he questioned God about why he didn't come to his aid, God said, I sent that vehicle, I sent the boat, I sent the helicopter, and you wouldn't take the ride. So the preacher called to get a copy of the illustration. So he knew where to put it in his notes. And the preacher was astounded. The person that did the recording said, well, I thought somebody else said that. His wife, who wasn't at church that morning, was in the background and overheard the conversation and said, yes, the preacher said that. I heard him. So now there are six people that vow they heard the preacher say something, and the preacher is just as certain he didn't say it. So who's right? The preacher decided he's going to make one last effort, so he called somebody else that was there that morning to find out where he could put this illustration in his notes because it was such a good illustration. And the person started laughing at the preacher. He told the preacher, he said, well, I said that. Now, the person that started all this sent the preacher a peace offering. But the person also said he was feeling a little guilty because when he asked God for forgiveness, he's not sure he could do it with a straight face because of how amusing the situation was. So you have... Five people in the audience that heard the preacher say something. You had one on the phone that heard the preacher say something. And you have the preacher that vows that he didn't say it. So who's right? Did the preacher say it or didn't he? You put that same scenario in the court of law, who are they going to believe? You think that judge is going to believe the one person that said he didn't say it? Or is he going to believe the six, the five-in person, the one that heard it on the phone? Who's he going to believe? So we think it doesn't matter if we know what we're talking about or not because there are not many implications. I want to tell you something. It can be pretty serious pretty quick. Now, I happen to know for a fact that those two people that were involved there, the one that started it and the preacher, um, get along quite well. 
So I was talking about the bandwagon. So you have those six that heard it, but you have another person that heard the conversation about what they heard, and they sided with the six, okay? And that's what happens in life. So we got to be careful what we say and that we know what we're talking about. I have a couple verses from Deuteronomy I want to refer to yet in closing. And there, it's talking about if you hear something, there's some things you need to do. And this is talking about the inhabitants that are going out and serving other gods. They said, God told them through Moses, then... You shall inquire and search out and ask diligently. And then if it's true, then you act on it. Scripture also says, and I don't have this one here, but when a man presents his case, it sounds right until somebody else comes forward and questions him. Things happen. I've already told you I've been guilty of some of these things. And as I get older, probably a few more of you here are guilty of some of the same things. We need to be careful that we know what we're talking about. And even sometimes if we know what we're talking about, we need to keep quiet because of the implications that are involved with it. God bless you as you go. Make sure you know what you're talking about when you present something. I thought about this yet. And I uh, didn't have this one in my notes either, but, you know, I was here some time ago, and I asked somebody if they're a professional, and I forget what answer they gave me. I'll try to find out after church if he's a professional yet or not. We do some farming, and um, we've started buying some of our seeds off of Gehring Seeds, and um, we can buy some of those things with a little more confidence. In other words, I can buy seeds off of Samuel with more confidence than I could buying it off of Kerbin, okay? Because Samuel raises these same crops. And he's depending on those to feed his cows, just like I'm depending on corn to feed our cows. He knows what he's talking about, at least I think so. At least he's more knowledgeable about it than somebody else. Let's make sure that we know what we're talking about before we spread something. Thank you.